welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Kamaya Walls Bichard, and today we have another great topic for you. It's also a somber topic, but for us, with like a lot of our um, discussions on personal finance topic, we try to look a lot on the bright side and find some great resources for you. So I'm so happy to be joined today by my two awesome colleagues, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Kathy, you can go ahead. Hi, I'm Kathy Sweedler. I also work with Illinois Extension, and I think this is going to be an important and hopefully semi-entertaining topic to talk about. And I'm Sasha Grabensetter, uh, also with the University of Illinois Extension, and pretty pumped to be on today talking about family financial feuds. Yes, it's always fun to, to be on with both of you. So today we're going to be talking about managing financial emergencies. So what are some of the different things that we go through, things that may be caused by natural disasters and other emergencies that affect our lives? And what we do know is that the effects of like natural disasters and other emergencies, they can have long-lasting um, effects on our overall financial well-being. Mm-hmm. So preparing for those types of disasters, emergencies can help reduce like the stress and anxiety during those times. And we're going to be using some terms interchangeably, so talking a little bit about disasters and talking also about like emergencies because we think it's important um, in this discussion not just to focus on one or the other because for us we focused a lot on you know building like your emergency savings so also today with like a lot of stuff that's going on in our nation right now so in the U.S. We're in October. A lot of different things is going on right now with like natural natural disasters. So we wanted to touch on some of this a little bit and provide some great resources for you. I think this is important too, though, because when I think of emergencies or saving up for emergencies, sometimes I'm thinking of things like a car repair yes. or, you know, you dropped your phone in the toilet or something like that, <laughs> which um, those things are expensive and, you know, can take a big wallop. But then when a natural disaster comes into play, mm-hmm. sometimes maybe it's a broken window, but sometimes it's much more and much more massive. And so there's a little different mindset to me in terms of preparing for those and thinking about it. So I'm glad we're going to talk about the whole piece, but I do think this is important to focus on right now, the natural Mm -hmm. disaster piece too. Very, very much so. And so when we think of emergencies, um, we're thinking of things that are, are typically are unexpected. And these are circumstances that usually require kind of like immediate action. So they're usually time sensitive. So it's like you get taken care of right now um, within this time so that you can move on and re- kind of rebuild from it. So I had some good questions for uh, my awesome colleagues here because I started thinking about how we grew up. So all three of us are from different places, how we grew up and um, some of our background and and what it was like for us in the areas that we grew up. How did we prepare for like different emergencies related to like natural disasters and some of the different strategies that our families might have done? So I'm going to kick it off with this question. So if you can think back to like your childhood you know, what were some of the natural disasters did you grow up in, with and how did your family prepare for those? Well, I you guess- start. Yeah. <laughs> like you're ready to go. <laughs> um, so I grew up in California, which is quite different than the Midwest when it comes to natural disasters. And at the time I grew up, the main natural disaster that I remember us 
planning for talking about was earthquakes um, because earthquakes are a relatively frequent occurrence Mm -hmm. and um, you really don't get any warning so that's a good thing you don't hide in a basement and worry about it they just happen and I'm sure you know so there was more focus on earthquake insurance which I don't think we do too much of out here Um, but also you know, how you secured your household belongings. So, you know, if you had a tall bookcase or a tall piece of furniture, then you anchored it to the Mm -hmm. wall because you didn't want, you know, your china cabinet to fall over and everything to get broken. Um, Nobody put uh, pictures, especially heavy pictures, like with glass in front of them, uh, over your bed. Because if an earthquake came at night, which, you know, there's a decent chance, then, you know, you don't want things falling on your children. Um, oh so, you know, you, you know, so, so I'm still kind of amazed sometimes, you know, I'll see somebody has a picture over their bed. I'm like, Oh no. And then I think, well, we don't really have earthquakes here. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, that, those mm-hmm. are the things that stay with me. And of course it, in school we had earthquake drills. So, um, you know, you, you would prepare as a child, you know, and those, they would say it's an earthquake drill. Then you have to get under your desk or table and take cover. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I grew up with. Okay. I'm a little in shock because I'm like, earthquake drills? Pictures <laughs> over your bed? What? Like, I can't even, like, fathom that. So, um, I grew up in Missouri near Kansas City. And a few things that we worried about were obviously tornadoes. Tornadoes were a big thing for us. And... Um, you know, having to go hide out in the basement, school drills, tornado drills. We did not have earthquake drills, just tornadoes. Um, the other things that we had issues with were flooding. I do remember, um, my uncle has a family farm and them having tons and tons of flooding and like having to put up sandbags and making sure to keep the farm safe and keep it dry. Like I remember that being a really big thing growing up. And the other one is ice storms. Um, this actually affected my family pretty like uh, a, a lot. Actually, we had a really big ice storm and it took out all the power in my neighborhood for probably a week and we got it back on only because like, I think our neighbor had, what was it? He was using uh, oxygen and he needed, he needed to be like plugged into the, I don't know. This could be all be made up, but I do remember the ice storms being a big thing and it was freezing in the house. And we actually had to go stay at a hotel that had power because it got so bad. So those are mine growing up. Kamaya. Yes. My experiences were a little bit similar to Kathy's. I did have earthquake drill. I grew up in Jamaica. <laughs> I grew up in Jamaica. So I believe it was the southeastern side of the island. And we have what we call a rainy season. So our rainy season is in May. And mm-hmm. then it's again in October to November. And our hurricane season is usually around June to November. So we get heavy rains and we get like lots of tropical storms and hurricanes mm-hmm. that pass through the island. Um, the island has been very lucky over the years that sometimes it just it doesn't get to like the, the dangerous category. So it just ends up being like 
like a very um, large um, storm. But for me growing up, and I moved to the U.S. in my late teens, so I'm trying to think about like my teenage years, um, what were some of the things that we experienced. And I believe for us, it's just my family was always prepared. And I will always see my, ma- my mom with like her um, kind of like her Ziploc bags to make sure that all the documents are sealed, mm-hmm. um, all the important things such as like the birth certificate, any school certificate, different things like that that she has that to make sure that those things are sealed. And also, too, because of incidents of flooding in the area that I grew up with when there's heavy rains, um, people do a lot of different things to their houses to make sure yeah. that it doesn't get flooded. Um, and so those were some of the things that I saw growing up. I believe I experienced a mild earthquake once um, when I was in high school, um, but it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't life changing, but I remember the the, the aftershock of it as well. Uh, but yeah, those were just some of the things that I grew up with and how we try to prepare for those. Wow, you earthquake people. <laughs> So, you know, when I think about like different emergencies and, you know, even reflecting on on what a lot of families are going through right now, the magnitude of um, emergencies, of course, they vary. And the type of things that we can do to sort of mitigate, to lessen the impact of these emergencies, it kind of depends on where we live, kind of depends on where we are financially. And so when I think about like overall emergencies and how we handle those, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about your life now. So I asked you a little bit about, you know, your past growing up and like in different areas, how you handle that. So what about your life now? We're, we all live in Illinois. What are some of the natural disasters or emergency things that we might encounter and how do you handle some of those? You know, it's interesting that you would ask this question now. And, <laughs> but I, um, we, when I was thinking about it, we had a, um, a huge hailstorm in the town that I live in, in Urbana, in late, I think it was July. And I mean, honestly, the, the hail was like two inches. It was huge compared to what we normally get. And as a result of that, we had both um, damage to our homes and garages roof and then to our car, too, which was pretty new um, because it was it was significant. It happened throughout the community. And I'm really thankful that we have good insurance um, and that we've kept it updated. I think this is one of the things that um, is so easy to forget because, you know, you have your insurance policy, you pay your bills and it just goes on and on. And after you've done it for a while, it's really easy to forget that you have to go back in and contact your agent or contact your company and say, you know, is this policy up to date? Should I have more coverage because the house has appreciated or I've made changes to the house? Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily we've done that. And that's, I mean, I guess not luckily, it's something I've been consciously doing. Um, So we have all that in place so that now it looks like we will need to replace our roof. Um, We're going to be getting a significant payment from our insurance company and And it's going to make a big difference Mm -hmm. um, for our family finances to be able to pull on that and and to use that money. Mm -hmm. Now that we haven't done all the estimates and things, so I don't think it will cover all of the repair. Mm -hmm. But uh, because the roof is quite a bit older and it's depreciated. So but even so, this is really going to help us out financially um, moving forward this year. So keeping your insurance policies up to date it's just, I find it's one of those hard things to remember to do, but I right. think it's really valuable. I agree. 
So for me, I think around in July, around the same time, Kathy, when you experienced your hailstorm, our area, I lived near Joliet and we had a Derrico, which is like a crazy high wind situation. And we had trees down all over the place, like everywhere. And then um, that was kind of scary. And then I think earlier in the year we had like a tornado warning. I think it's a watch. It's a watch, right? When it's like, watch, you need to go downstairs. So the I was warning is my, like, get take cover. Yeah. Warning. So that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a tornado warning. And I was um, freaking out because I was home alone because I think my son and husband were someplace else. I think they were up north in Wisconsin. And so I had to like grab all the cats. <laughs> So if you can imagine me like with carrying like my lots of cats down the stairs, I was like, get in here. We're going to die. I'm picturing it. (laughs) They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we have to get downstairs to the basement. So um, those are the only things I've really experienced. I know that um, cities close to me have experienced tornadoes, Mm -hmm. um, especially in my time in extension. Like literally think the first tornado hit within like six months of my starting. So those are things I've experienced as an adult. So I've lived a lot in a lot of places in this country mm-hmm. over the last few years. And it's just like different things, but mainly in the Midwest. So things like blizzards, like dealing with that, um, mm. just like some of the damages that have come out of that, whether it's to the car, to our house. Um, so I've, I've gone through some of that. So moving to like central Illinois was the first time I experienced kind of like a tornado warning. And I remember like out driving and just hearing reports coming through and what that kind of felt like and seeing like the darker clouds and, and all of that. So this is my first time experiencing that um, when I first moved here. But for me, um, like for our family, um, how we think about like our housing and what it's going to look like and how we need to prepare, like that has changed so much over time for us mm-hmm. um, because of where we live. But yeah, thank you both for sharing those. So I, I, I Go ahead, Kathy. I was just going to say, I just listening to you both in thinking about similar things that have happened to me driving, you know, listening to those tornado warnings, trying to figure out where they are. You know, it just makes your adrenaline go up. I mean, oh, yeah. I just mm-hmm. feel my stress level rising thinking yeah. about these things. And, you know, I think this is one of those things where disasters and planning for disasters, it's scary business, right? And it's mm-hmm. emotional. And a lot of times when we have emotional things, it's easier to avoid them than to to plan for them. I mean, mm-hmm. just I'd rather think about it later than plan for it. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, but I, I think to, you know, it's also if we can just reemphasize that planning can help once you get over that hurdle and you right. get started on the planning, it can help lower your stress level. And then when that does, if, and I'm not wishing this on anybody, but on if a disaster happens or something breaks, then your stress will be lower because you'll know where you stand. You'll know what you can do and you know, you know, and you'll have the financial resources backing you to help you and your family get to the next step and to recover. So, you know, it can't take care of everything, but it really helps. And that is a great point that leads us to another part of our discussion as we're exploring like different resources on how do you prepare um, your finances for like a natural disaster. So we know, of course, natural disaster, we can't control, but we can also, we, but we can prepare um, for like the impact of that and what that's going to mean. And so, you know, you're doing a little bit of research for this. I found a lot of different um, resources from FEMA, from the CDC, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and um, other online 
online sources such as Bankrate. And one of the articles from, from Bankrate goes straight to um, a point that Kathy made about like thinking about like your home repairs and what improvements you need to make or update any kind of changes relating to your house. Um, so budgeting like for repairs, um, reviewing like your insurance policies to see um, what coverage you do have and what gaps there are in your coverage. So that's a big piece too when we're thinking about like preparing um, our finances for the unexpected. Yeah. Uh, another piece with that too, you know, thinking about like where you live and and how that how all disasters are not the same. So making sure that within again within like your insurance policies, you're reviewing to see what is actually covered. And also just remembering a kind of a little tip. Sometimes I think we gauge how much insurance we need, especially for home insurance, based on the market value or what we anticipate the market value would be of our home. But depending on where you live and on your house and things like that, sometimes the rebuild cost is higher than the market value. And so you might want to talk to your agent about how to you know, if you're if you really want to rebuild in your own community, if it's because your house really gets taken all the way out by a tornado or a wildfire or whatever, you know, how do you how do you protect for that? How what can the insurance company help with that? Mm-hmm. And I just want to chime in as a, a former insurance agent <laughs> that you should definitely try to do a, an insurance analysis at least once a year to kind of like combat those things like what Kathy was talking about, but just try to make it a yearly conversation because I mean, since I purchased my house, I put a brand new roof on it. I put in a new sliding glass door. There's all these things that if my house was completely leveled to the ground would be more expensive than just, um, you know, like if it, we hadn't done those updates. So just a, a tip. And I think these annual things, we always say, annually do this and annually <laughs> do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it helps me to kind of fix a date in my mind that's tied to something else. So, um, like, I used, I usually do a net worth statement in, you know, the beginning of April, um, just because then I would have my documents available. So maybe if you want to ch- review your insurance papers, look at your calendar and think to yourself, it's a good time, like, you know, June 1st, or when's a time that works into your life mm-hmm. um, that you could kind of mark that as an annual event, um, maybe on your birthday, because you can remember that or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say your birth month is that usually that time when I've been told, like, go get, go see your doctor, go talk to your financial planner, go do X, Y, Z. Like, it's just easy to remember so that it gets done every year. So happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> Let's review your insurance. Sounds good. <laughs> And I I, I like this, too, because it brings up another point that I saw in like some of the resources. And that's when we're thinking about like what we're doing and how we're preparing for an emergency is creating like your emergency document kit. And I did mention this in my earlier example of how I grew up um, preparing for um, natural disasters. My mom used to make sure that all the important documents are secured. And so with like these types of document kit um, recommendation are typically for like a fireproof, waterproof box that you can store like important copies of different documents in. So like your home insurance policy, homeowner's policy, health information, um, your mortgage, deeds, um, lease, different things like that, that you want to keep secure um, just in case something happens, in case there's a flooding or something else that happens. So wanted to make sure that you have those documents put away and are securely safe. Do, you know, it's funny. I'm just thinking about this and I could be walking into something here, but um, 
wouldn't it make sense to take like a photo or scan some of these documents and put them on the cloud? Yes. Um, yes. You know, we're always talking about like, mm-hmm. you know, these waterproof boxes that, you know, anyway, which all makes sense or fireproof boxes. And it's certainly, you know, you'd want to think about the security of the cloud, but like, honestly, on the home ownership policy, there's nothing that's that private, you know, you want to protect like your social security number, Mm -hmm. things like that, but at least the phone numbers and the contact information Mm -hmm. of all the people you're going to need to reach. I just think that one way, maybe it's duplicate it, but would be to put it up on the cloud. Yes, and that's one of the recommendations to do like a password protected um, removable flash drive. So, and sometimes people think of like you still gotta like external. wake up in the morning, wake up and find the flash drive in the middle of a disaster. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like <laughs> it's. Um, you know, that's one of the recommendation, but just like you said, like saving things in a cloud, I have things, for me personally, I have things backed up where it's not just in one place. So having like that, having like your important documents backed up, that's a very, very good suggestion. And there are some documents that you need the original for too. So sure. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. definitely a good idea to keep the waterproof box, but maybe it doesn't need to be like, you know, a huge huge safe that you carry out while the house is on fire or something so and sometimes when you're in a disaster area even getting on the cloud like finding a computer finding something that's charged is a problem so having a document that you could pull out and make the phone calls um i think that is really have value so i'm not sure that we want one or the other but i just like to encourage people to think about are there some of these things where it would make sense to put them up on the cloud Mm -hmm. and then as a backup plan have them in a place. And I know having it all in things in a box or something that you, you know, is your most important stuff you can grab and go. I think that is a really important consideration. I know that a lot of my relatives in California right now have their bag packed by the front door with the wildfires going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that along with the family scrapbooks, they've got their financial documents in there too. <laughs> so... Well, knowing your family, they do because they have you. So, <laughs> oh yeah, because they listen to me so well. <laughs> I am the big sister, though. So, you know. <laughs> and I even think about just like differences in how people feel about like where they store important documents. Too, um, as we we're thinking about, as Kathy mm-hmm. says, neither either or, but just thinking about people have different comfort level in where Absolutely. they store their different mm-hmm. documents. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about like natural disasters, and I also want to talk a little bit more about just like general emergencies. And we've done mm-hmm. a lot on like preparing um, um, our budget for emergencies, like bracing for like the impact of different things that might happen to us. So whether it's like a leaky roof or um, a car repair, just different things that might um, affect us. And um, before we even go into a bigger discussion, I wanted to share a really nice article that I, I read. Um, it's from the Harvard Business Review, and it's by the author um, Alex Hemmer. And so Alex is an international student with no dental insurance. So this was his, oh, no. how did I survive my financial emergency? So he was just talking about his situation and explaining a little bit more about um, who he was and um, the kind of uh, experience that he has as an international student with like no dental insurance. So he um, described um, going to the dentist and having like some different issues that he had to get corrected. 
And when he received the bills a week later, um, he was so overwhelmed by it. So he described just um, his immediate um, reaction to like seeing like the cost of that bill and what it felt like as he was trying to process, um, you know, how he was going to pay for it. So he said the first thing he went to was to look to see what was his monthly expenses, how he was going to be able to pay this bill off. So what he did was talk to his partner to just figure out what's a good strategy to um, work on like this emergency. And so he shared like a couple great points. So this is was his way of dealing with like this um, financial emergency. Um, and his he shared that one of the first thing he did was try to embrace like a positive mindset. So he went, took a deep breath. And even though it was shocked, he was shocked and he was a little stressed in the beginning. So just to kind of um, think more about that. And then mm-hmm. he, you know, embraced a little bit of support from others that he trusted to help him work through it. And after that, he, you know, things kind of settled down a little bit for him emotionally. So he looked into whether or not they had like a payment plan option, um, you know, just to work with um, like his dental office just to get that taken care of. And another piece that he talked about was, you know, focusing on like his expenses to see like what those were. So take ownership of what he had coming in and what he had going out to -hmm. just try to understand more about how he could handle this emergency. And I wanted to share this example because I, I, I thought it was very interesting and it's it's a real situation that a lot of students and a lot of people um, have faced mm-hmm. and it's hard to know sometimes how to react in the beginning and how to move on to get that taken care of. I think that's really excellent and if I could just add like a couple of pieces that I've learned through kind of a hard school of rock <laughs> fear is yeah. when you are dealing with especially a large disaster in your home whether it's a flood or roof problem or whatever it get your it gets very overwhelming again because emotionally you're very tied in like you've just lost your part of your house you've lost materials possessions mm-hmm. it's a mess it smells it's just so all these things come into play that are are very personal and so one of the things i really found that helped me was to keep to really document my conversation conversations with different people. So whatever Mm -hmm. system works best for you, if it's a file folder, if it's notes on your phone, but to, to start really keeping your records together. So when somebody sends you a message, you have a place that you save it. If you talk to somebody on the phone, you jot down who you talk to, when you talk to them, what they said they were going to do. And, you know, be, you know, if somebody sends you some money for a repair, but then you have to do X, Y, Z before you get more money, which is very common, you know, that you have a way to like mark down those dates to remind yourself that, you know, you've got to get this paperwork back if you're going to get the money next. And there's just like this process and documenting that process and finding a way to kind of corral it is a little different than your normal financial process that you might be already kind of have your hands and control over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would really, that's, that's my tip to you all is set, set some space and mm-hmm. a way of organizing it because then too, like at the end, like if it's the repairs aren't satisfactory or you don't feel like it worked out quite the way you had talked about it or thought it was going to work out, you can go back and see what you've got documented and work from there. I just want to chime in that uh, the University of Minnesota has a really great 
um, resource is called Emergency Fund Before Disaster Strikes, and that is available for free online. So we'll pop that in the show notes, but it does have a really great place to, to do all the things that Kathy just talked about, like a log of making sure that you document conversations. So just wanted to throw that in. Part of it is you're just so emotionally tied up in it. You can't really remember the conversations well, right? Things just get mixed up in your brain. (laughs) That's so very true. And we're talking big dollars too. So it's like, oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Another great resource that I found for this from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, had to do with, you know, when we are thinking about recovering or rebuilding from like natural disasters and other emergencies and were some step-by-step process that we could think about. And it doesn't always happen this way, right? So when, when disaster strikes, um, lots of times certain rule of thumb just go out the door and you're just trying to figure it out. But um, a really nice guideline from them, you know, follows like the steps of making a plan. So spending time like documenting like financial information. And that also includes what what Kathy was just talking about with like those conversations and then adding like contact emergency numbers that you might need um, for different Mm -hmm. things. And another point that I really like from this talks about taking care of some of your most urgent financial issues first. So things, a lot of different things are going to maybe compound as you're dealing with like that emergency, but making sure that the things that are most urgent that you focus on those um, first. And then a third and final point that I like about this is the watch out for scams and frauds. And we've covered a lot on like financial exploitation. And so that's a big thing. Um, You know, you, your family are going through a lot and others out there just find a way to try to exploit that. And so Mm -hmm. making sure you're watching out for scams and different things that could affect like your overall um, journey towards like recovery. We have had so many people knocking on our door about roof damage from the hailstorm or car damage from the hailstorm. And I'm not saying that those were all scams or frauds, but I think before I want to enter into something that's cost a significant amount of money to repair, I definitely you want to do some comparison shopping, check people's credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person that walks up and knocks on your door may or may not be the best person to work with. Right. It's very true. So I really love this conversation. We have a few takeaway points for you all. And I know with like this is more of like a somber topic that um, we do find that it's very important. And there's a ton of resources out there um, for folks to and we'll provide some of that. So what would you say are some of the key takeaways when we talk about preparing for natural disasters and other emergencies? Put you right on the spot. They didn't know I was going to ask them this question. (laughs) it's real you know i think what do i want to say you know one do your comparison shopping for insurance companies and insurance policies before your disaster so that you have a company that you feel is going to have your back when if and when there is a disaster and i don't want to say when but i think most households at some point end up with some kind of a natural disaster insurance claim so uh, that's not based on research that was kathy's gist of it so we could look that one up but we love your wisdom (laughs) yeah but you know so so in a way you know you're preparing you don't know when it's going to happen but there's a good chance that sometime you'll need to play you'll need to work with your insurance company so doing that shopping in comparison beforehand because then you're gonna live with them and then you know we talked about documenting it and then 
you know, for some people, they're very organized and they have a good sense of their records and they know where things are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and in our pre-conversation, Stacia even talked about the value of, you know, taking a video of your house possessions where you just walk from room to room, open up your drawers, open up your closets and, and take those pictures so that if you do have to do an inventory of what you lost, you have this information mm-hmm. to share with the insurance company. Those are fantastic ideas. I think if you're not as organized, do what you can and get as yeah. much documented as possible mm-hmm. um, and know where your documents are, whether they're on a flash drive or the box or, you know, up on cloud or they're in your file drawer. Because if you have to get out of your home quickly or a disaster strikes, you're really not going to have a lot of time to find that stuff, maybe. Yeah, those are my, you know, this is one of those things where... Um, this could be a big financial issue, like not mm-hmm. just, you know, a couple hundred dollars. This could be a lot of money. And so preparing for it makes is a lot of sense. So if you are spending a lot of time maybe on a financial task that saves you a dollar or two here or there, have you spent time on your insurance and preparing for the unexpected? The other thing I wanted to talk about, a key takeaway was um, I worked for a large insurance company when I the Joplin tornado came in 2011, um, and that was a very large F5 tornado that demolished the town. Like, if you get a chance to go back and look at some of the photos, um, it was really devastating. Uh, and I worked for a district manager at the time, so he, like, managed agents. So all their agents were working with their clients, you know, to help figure out what's going on with their homes. And he went down there multiple times um, during that week or not the week, you know, but he went down there multiple times after the disaster happened. And just to hear him talk about how many people were willing to help and willing to help others is really uh, a positive uplifting thing for me. So I just want to know, I just want to say like, if a natural disaster does happen in your area, that is significant that people will be able to help. People will be help looking to help in any way that they can. And so um, I just wanted to help like lift it on a, a positive note. Awesome. And I wanted to add, you know, involve in other members of your household, of your family and like your decisions that you're making regarding how you're going to prepare for natural disasters. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very young and um, we would have like these national messages that come on and, you know, they would talk about like the role that the parents play and preparing the kids to let them know what's going on. Because sometimes we, you know, for a lot of time, parents, you want to protect your children from certain things, but um, having them aware of some of the different things that might happen in terms of natural disaster so in your preparedness efforts to get them involved in that my other point that i wanted to share um um, key takeaway is understanding where to find like local state and federal resources and i know for like some of the federal websites um when you go on to like fema and websites like that they have um of course the federal level but they also provide local level referrals that you can get um for different things that you might have concerns about so whether it's agents services, um, consumer services, or um, crisis counseling. They have a lot of different resources with the local numbers and contact person um, to get you in, in contact with the right people. This has been a really good discussion. I, I feel like this is one of our, I keep using the word somber, one of our more somber discussions, but it's, it's really good. I think it's just good to be remembered to be prepared. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of look at finances in boxes sometimes we actually did this 
on a Facebook Live like a really long time ago now. <laughs> but we looked at, you know, like all the different things that you can tackle. And I think just remembering to take one at a time instead of trying to eat the whole elephant, mm-hmm. you know, Definitely. so whether that's, you know, this month. Okay. Well, we heard Kathy and Kamai and Faisha talk about disaster preparedness. So that's what we're going to do this month. This month from, you know. October 15th to November 15th, we're going to figure out, you know, like our insurance and get that updated and, you know, like look at the house and talk about like if there's a fire, what happens? If there's a tornado, what happens? If there's a flood, what happens? So I just think um, being prepared is good, but don't, don't eat it all at all in one bite. No. And I do think with the, you know, most people's cell phones doing video calls, you know, that's, it, you don't have to, you don't have to get it perfect to do a document of that what's in your household, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. I think we put off those tasks because we're like, well, I want to I have a great big block of time and I can really do it right. right. Okay, fine. That's great. But for right now, just walk around for 15 minutes and turn your video camera on. <laughs> and, you know, open up some of the closets because you'll never believe if you start adding up all those shirts and you, how much they cost, but you're going to need, you know, you might need to like document that you had X number. So uh, sometimes we think of the big things we've to replace but the household personal property all the different items those really add up over time so or add up if you had to replace them so walk around just get it do it 15 minutes boom done Excellent. put it in a safe place <laughs> well Kathy Sasha, thank you so much for talking with me about this topic um, I think it's very important and right now um, you know with like a lot of families individuals are going through so I'm, I'm grateful that we got a chance to talk about this topic Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.